0: It's a joy for me, if you're joining us for the first time, to continue a series that we've started in the second letter to the Corinthians written by the Apostle Paul in the first century. We've entitled the series Strength and Weakness, Strength and Weakness. It's really, it's a series about the gospel, which is in weakness, by being crucified in weakness on the cross, where the world would say that is weakness, we see the greatest strength ever in Christ's resurrection from the dead. It's really about God's glory, and before the glory comes suffering. It's about the gospel, and it's about a a group of churches uh, that had kind of forgotten the gospel, particularly one church in Corinth, which is in the southern tip of the Grecian Peninsula. Modern-day Greece at the bottom is Corinth, a port city, much like Miami, wealthy, into image. Uh, People were saved. They were legitimate Christians, but they were very immature. They didn't understand suffering. So Paul, God through Paul, writes this epistle to teach them about the gospel through a theology of suffering. And we've entitled the message this morning, Gospel Partnerships. Gospel Partnerships. And you will notice that on there it says Acts 19 and 20. What we're doing is we've been on the runway of Second Corinthians, the letter. Now we're going to come up to about 10,000 feet in a helicopter And we're going to look at the historical context of why Paul wrote 2 Corinthians. And you'll find that historical context in Acts 19 and 20, so you can read that later for yourself. Um, Partnerships are vital, church. Partnerships are big time. Uh, Things are done in partnerships that can't be done alone. A partnership is when the sum is greater than the parts. So I bring this, I bring, you bring this, but together, it's way more than what each of us brings. There's a synergism in partnerships. Some of the greatest partnerships in human history that we know of, uh, Orville and Wilbur Wright, two brothers, really the, the pioneers of flight, uh, uh, they partnered together. I think of, of Helen Keller and Ann Sullivan, Helen Keller, who was deaf uh, and she was blind. And Ann Sullivan devoted her life to partner with her to teach her how to read using Braille and and how to do sign language. And Helen Keller was the first blind deaf person to graduate from university. And so much has been done through her life. Uh, I think of people, someone you might not be as familiar with, James Watson and Francis Crick, two Cambridge University students or scientists who developed and, and discovered the double helix structure of DNA. So that double helix structure of DNA, which has revolutionized medicine, forensics, DNA tests, um, it's through their partnership. In in commerce, we think of William Proctor, who was a poor English candle maker, and James Gamble, who was a poor Irish soap maker. And they got together and formed a company you may have heard of, Proctor & Gamble. I think probably all of us use their products even today. And finally, in the area of technology, many of you know the Steve Jobs And Steve Wozniak, who partnered together, often tumultuously, uh, to develop Apple computers. Uh, I'm grateful for Apple computers, uh, saying nothing about what the company believes in, okay? But the computers work. It's for stupid people like me, okay? I just plug it in. It works. Um, (laughs) Partnerships are key. And all those things that I mentioned are important. We benefit from them. But there's no partnership and there's no purpose greater than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so 2 Corinthians was written by Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to strengthen, to, to engage, and to grow these gospel partnerships. And I want to review for you briefly the writing of 2 Corinthians. Sophie, would you please show the map of the second missionary journey? So somewhere around AD 50, 49, 50, 51, the Apostle Paul began a missionary journey that took him to northern Greece. So the left-hand side of this map is northern Greece. You'll see where it says Macedonia, and then down to the southern part of Greece, Achaia. Corinth was in the south. Places like Thessalonica and Berea and Philippi were in the north, and God used Paul to plant churches, and then Paul was connecting these churches together. And one of those churches in the southern peninsula, Corinth, if you can barely see it on the left-hand side there, was an incredibly gifted church, an incredibly well-resourced church. They were wealthy. An incredibly dynamic church. I mean, the worship man was kicking. And, and, and they really were very, very gifted, and they really were Very, very immature. Very immature. They were all about image. They were all about having the good life now. They didn't want to hear about this suffering stuff. In fact, Paul wasn't good enough for them. Because these were wealthy people that had everything together and they wanted success. Tell me how the gospel can make me successful. Let's go win the world. Let's get the kingdom now. I don't want the suffering. And Paul writes this letter to them on his third missionary journey. So if you would please show that map, Sophie. This one's in color. So on the third missionary journey, a couple of years later, the church is up and running in Corinth. Paul is hearing reports of how immature they are. They're actually celebrating a man that is sleeping with his stepmother. There's all kinds of pride and arrogance. I'm for Paul. I'm for Apollos. When they come together, they're getting drunk at the communion family meal. And those who are rich aren't sharing with the poor. At one point, Paul has to write them in 1 Corinthians, it would be better that you not gather together. Can you imagine that? <laughs> if God just came. You know, it's better if Paul and just doesn't gather. It's so bad. He writes that letter, 1 Corinthians, from Ephesus. So on the right-hand side of this map, see where it says Asia? That's modern-day Turkey. On his third missionary journey, this is a couple of years later, Paul writes 1 Corinthians. Maybe around the summer of 53, 54 A.D., he had spent three years in Ephesus. He's hearing all these reports, and he writes them, a very difficult letter. And then he leaves Ephesus, and he goes to northern Greece, Macedonia, on the left-hand side of the map. And from Macedonia, maybe somewhere around 55 A.D., maybe about a year after he wrote 1 Corinthians, he writes 2 Corinthians. And he writes 2 Corinthians from Macedonia, and he says, listen, we've got to get the gospel right because we've got to get this gospel partnership right. This collaboration that is is God-inspired, this collaboration is starting to weaken because you're not getting the gospel right. And before I come to you, I'm going to write this letter. We're studying this letter so that I can help you understand a theology of suffering because you've strayed from the gospel. And our gospel partnership is weakening. And this is why he wrote it. This is what motivated Paul. This is the thesis of our sermon this morning. Gospel partnerships are vital to gospel advance. Gospel partnership is vital to gospel advance. Gospel partnership is vital to gospel advance. Just like it was vital for Orville Orville and Wilbur Wright to partner so that we could have modern day flight, just like it it was necessary for these two scientists to partner so that we could figure out the DNA double helix and be able to benefit from that. All the things you can imagine that are very important, a partnership is what made it happen. Now the gospel advance. It depends on God, let me be clear, and his power, but he chose to do it through partnerships. Not through one individual church or one individual Christian, but through gospel partnerships. So here's my question to you. Do you understand what a healthy gospel partnership is? Both on the personal level, you and guys, and all those smelly guys that we spent two days with camping out there at Markham Park, And do we understand, as a church, what gospel partnerships, a healthy gospel partnership is, church-wise? Because it's both and. You need gospel partners in your life, and we need to partner with other churches. Why? So that we could advance the gospel. Guys, this is the end game. Nothing else matters. In comparison to advancing the gospel. Of course, other things matter. But the gospel advancing is the story of history. The gospel advancing is the story of God. And the gospel advancing in my life personally, in our lives as a church, in our community in South Florida, across the globe, this is the great purpose for which we give our lives. For this is the great purpose for which Christ gave his life. And his purpose will be accomplished. So do you understand... The definition, what a healthy gospel partnership is. And here's a second question. It's not enough to understand it. Do you value it enough to do the hard, messy, stinky work of engaging healthy gospel partnerships and growing healthy gospel partnerships? Point one. Understand healthy gospel partnerships. Partnerships. To understand healthy gospel partnerships, we have to understand God. Because the gospel partnership that we're talking about begins with God. Our God, one God, three persons. The original gospel partnership is the partnership between God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. We know nothing of gospel partnerships apart from God. And because we have the model of a healthy gospel partnership in the Trinity, we can at least try to understand it and try to live it, and he's going to help us. Unity is defined by the unity of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have to understand that. How did they function together? How did God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit function together to advance the gospel? This will give us a key to understanding healthy gospel partnerships. It is God the Father in the economy of redemption who sent God the Son. By the way, all three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, agreed with this. Nobody was forced to do this. This is God, one God, three persons, agreeing that this is how it's going to work. In the partnership, the Father sends the Son. It is Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, who was incarnated, who came as a man, fully God, Fully man. And he suffered that moment. He took the escalator from the glories of heaven to the hell of earth. And said, I'm jumping in there to experience that suffering without sinning, to obey my father, to be what mankind could not be failed to be. I'm going to pass the test in the garden. I just read it in Luke, the Luke account of the temptation in the wilderness, that Adam failed And then that suffering, which is over a lifetime of obedience and a lifetime of saying yes to God and no to sin, never sinning, and then it's going to culminate by going to the cross and suffering as no person has ever suffered. The Father pouring out the wrath that we deserve on the Son, the humiliation of being crucified, the humiliation of being beaten beyond recognition, the agony physically of six hours on a cross. He suffered suffered on the cross, but then he rose from the dead three days later. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, defeated sin and death, and he ascended into heaven. Now, catch this. Here's where the partnership, you got to get this. The Father and the Son then send the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, Christian. It is the Holy Spirit who who... Glorifies the work of Christ. Christ did the work on this earth. The Holy Spirit then comes and reveals that work. It is the Holy Spirit, Christian, who makes your dead heart alive. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. It is the Holy Spirit who makes you alive. Praise God. It is the Holy Spirit that reveals to you your sin. It's called conviction. He regenerates your dead heart. He reveals your sin with conviction. And then he gives you the faith to repent and believe. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. This is a great partnership. The Holy Spirit fills us, saves us based on the work of Christ by the will of the Father. And Then he empowers you. It's the Spirit that's in you right now. It's the Spirit that is working in us as a church to mature us, that we might look more like Jesus. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. This is is a healthy gospel partnership. Let me read a quote for you on the screen. As the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work together to advance the gospel, so healthy gospel partnerships are formed by people and churches working together to advance the gospel. Summary, gospel partnerships, healthy gospel partnerships are rooted in the gospel. Church in Corinth, first century, you are straying from the gospel. You are going after these slick super apostles that are not super apostles. They tell you all that you want to hear. That's not the gospel. Let me call you back to the gospel and let me call you back to me because they were rejecting Paul since they rejected the gospel so that we can reengage these healthy gospel partnerships that are rooted in the gospel, not in the personality of this person. Not in I want to get rich now schemes. But it's rooted in the gospel. And at the core of it is the suffering of Christ. Remember, we were on the runway last couple of weeks. What did Paul say to the Corinthians? You want the comfort of Christ, the resurrection? Then you must embrace the suffering of Christ, the cross. He said it this way. As you abundantly share in Christ's suffering, death, uh, death, the cross, suffering for the gospel's sake, so you will share abundantly in his comfort, his resurrection, his glory. You can't, it's both and, it's not either or. You cannot pick and choose. This is not a buffet, this is a meal. It's served to you. Pick up your cross, follow me. It was about the gospel. It was about the gospel. So, healthy gospel partnerships are rooted in the gospel. Secondly, they're rooted in relationships. They're rooted in relationships. A healthy gospel partnership isn't just some business association that's changeable. Learned a big word yesterday. I'm going to blow it, but I'm going to try to say it. Non-fungible transactions. Did I get it right? Yes? NFTs? Who are the smart people here? Raise your hand if you know what an NFT is. Come on, Esteban, raise your hand. You're the one that taught me, all right? Ever heard of Bitcoin? Hello, crypto, right? Non-fungible. You know what fungible means? Changeable. It's non-changeable. Gospel partnerships are non-changeable. You don't decide to go here until they get you mad and you leave and go somewhere else. You're not just flitting around, whatever. What serves me? That's called taking advantage of one another. That's the world. A gospel partnership. A gospel partnership is non-fungible. It's non-changeable. Oh, listen, things do change. I get that. But the the purpose and the advance of the gospel isn't some throwaway deal. It's not some throwaway cell phone. It's the the cell phone that's your cell phone. It's yours. It's what God's called you to. And I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to leave it because it gets uncomfortable. Because I love you. I love you. I want you to listen to how Paul talks about the people he fought with, the people that he irritated. Later on, we're going to read about how much he irritated them, and they irritated him. And the people who who wanted to leave him because they were leaving the gospel, I want you to read about how he talks about them in a letter that he wrote at the end of of his uh, third missionary journey when he's in Corinth. He wrote this letter to a church in Rome, but he wrote it from Corinth, after they had reconciled, and after they had come back to a healthy gospel uh, and a healthy relational uh, 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 place, listen, listen to what a healthy gospel partnership sounds like between people that are human and, and they can have conflict and they can have disagreement, and they certainly were so different in every way, socioeconomically, racially, linguistically, everything imaginable. Greek, Jew. listen to how Paul writes about them. Romans 16. So remember, he's, he's writing this letter from Corinth before he goes to Rome at the end of the third missionary journey. Listen to how he speaks of everybody. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sancrea. Sancrea is a suburb of Corinth. Phoebe was probably a wealthy woman, lots of those in the New Testament, who were supporting the apostle Paul and probably had the means to travel from Greece to Rome. Couldn't jump on a flight back then. And they probably gave her this letter, so they trusted her. And they said, Phoebe, you take the letter to the church in Rome. So when she gets there, he tells the church, commend our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church of Sancria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Do you hear partnership? Greet Pisca, Prisca, and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for my life. Who risk their necks for my life. To whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved my beloved, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. First convert to Christ in Asia. How many converts did Paul see? How many churches did Paul plant? How many people did Paul interact with? And he remembers this guy. He's just not a number. He's just not padding his stats. He's just not someone to tithe to the church so Paul can get rich. Greet Mary, so glad for Mary. Can't all their names be as easy as Mary? Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you, has worked hard for you, has worked hard for you. How did he know that? She's working right alongside Paul. Greet Androkinus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, fellow prisoners They've suffered together. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. So they were Christians before Paul was a Christian. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. There it is again, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Statius. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman, Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord and Triphimosa. greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord, and then thank God for Rufus. Greet Rufus. Nice easy name, Rufus. Chosen in the Lord. Listen to this. Also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Is that relational enough for you? I love that. I love that so much. May we be a church that's Relational. We get the gospel right, and we get relationships right, and you never get them right because they're messy, and they hurt, and they're painful, but they're worth it because of the gospel. And chosen of the Lord also, his mother who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asunaeus, Philagon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philoges, Julia, Neris and his sister in Olympus, and all the saints who are with them, and to prove that they're actually Latinos, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches in Christ greet you. Paul is writing from Rome to a church that now has restored a healthy gospel partnership, and they're back in relationship. They still don't agree with everything. They still get each other angry. They still irritate each other. They still wish the other person would stop doing X, but they love each other, and the gospel is primary. That's not enough. Second point. Okay, we understand healthy gospel partnerships. They're worth it. But are you engaging and growing in healthy gospel partnerships? Are you engaging and growing in healthy gospel partnerships? Point two, engage and grow in healthy gospel partnerships. It takes faith, to grow and engage a healthy gospel partnership because they're painful, because we're painful, because we have edges, we have thorns, we have we have pricklies on us. And as God is pruning us and 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 making us into the image of Christ, we're going to hurt each other. We're going to poke each other in the eye, metaphorically speaking. We're going to say and do things that offend one another. And God is saying, "Listen, be patient with one another." We studied that yesterday uh, at, at the men's retreat. It was the last session that Sergio let us in. All the ones one another is be patient with one another. Bear with one another. Shouldn't be too hard since God was patient and bore with us, right? But it still can be. Listen to the pain of these gospel partnerships that Paul was willing to press through. 2 Corinthians 2, we're going to preach this passage in a little more detail in a, in a few weeks. But 2 Corinthians 2, 1 to 4, listen to the words pain and affliction and tears. Remember, Paul's writing this from northern Greece, Macedonia. He doesn't yet know if Corinth is going to stay in the partnership. They're rejecting the gospel, so they're rejecting Paul in the favor for these slick new super apostles that aren't apostles at all with false gospels. He doesn't know, so he's writing them with courage and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But listen to how he writes to them. For I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. For if I cause you pain, who is there to make me glad but the one whom I have pained? And I wrote as I did, so that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. They were getting the gospel wrong, and he had to talk about it to them, and it was painful. For I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be the joy of you all. For I wrote you, I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart, listen to this, and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know that the abundant to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. God loved us when we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. We were yet his enemies. He gave his life for us. And he calls us to love and give our lives for those, even those who are enemies. Just read that in my quiet time this morning. Luke 6, 26. He is kind and merciful to the ungrateful and the evil, me. So he calls us to do the same. And if we're to do it to that person, how much more to our brother and sister in Christ or your spouse or your children, fill in the blank. It's not easy. It takes the Holy Spirit. Remember Jesus prayed for unity? And he said, I'm going to send the Spirit (laughs) to enable you to have that unity. It's not easy. The Cubans have a saying, no es fácil. Or if you're really Cuban, no es fácil. You don't pronounce the S. It's not easy. But it's worth it to advance the gospel. (coughs) I love this picture that after writing those words in 2 Corinthians 2, after sending that letter, Titus then comes up from southern Greece to Paul in northern Greece, and he says, they've repented. They, They understood that they were straying from the gospel. They saw these false super apostles for who they are, and Paul, they want you to come down. And Paul came down. Listen, and what's so important about that is healthy gospel partnerships are connecting people to one another. That's what happened this last weekend at the men's uh, man camp. It's what's going to happen, guys, this coming Friday as we actually talk about a message entitled, You Can't Do It Alone. And he connected people together, and Paul was all about connecting churches together. Not even so much connecting them to him he wasn't the big deal, but connecting them to one another. What Paul is doing on this third missionary journey is he's collecting and receiving an offering from all these churches in Macedonia, northern Greece, Achaia, southern Greece, and other churches as well. And he's going to go back to Jerusalem to the mother church. All the churches came from that church. And he's going to help starving Christians there with this offering. But it's the partnership that he's after. He'll later say in this book, it's not your money I'm after, it's your heart I'm after, it's you I'm after. Are you with me? Are you with me? We're so different. But are you with me for the gospel? Look what we could do together. He's going to end up going to Rome. In fact, he writes, he says, and I want to go to Spain. Read at the end of the book of Romans. (coughs) He talks about, I'm not only going to go to Rome, I'm going to go to Spain. Now, he ends up getting to Rome differently than he thought because he's going to end up getting there as a prisoner. Paul's like, I don't care. I'm in Rome. I'm preaching the gospel. And he wants to eventually go to Spain. Why? Because of gospel partnership. Because he's advancing the gospel. So here's the the application. Here's the appeal as the worship team comes up to join me. Church, are you, do you have faith to engage or re-engage healthy gospel partnerships? Some of us have had Some not so great experiences with gospel partnerships, either personally or as a church. Are are, are you willing to grow or regrow healthy gospel partnerships? There's a lot of ways that we do that here. I'll let the Lord speak to you how you might do that. It's as as simple as picking up the phone and saying, I'm going to call this person once every two weeks. I wonder how she's doing. I don't see her as much. I'm going to get her number. I'm going to send her a text. Ask permission. Hey, can we chat? And it could just be not super invasive. It can go as far or as, as shallow, not shallow, but as, as deep as that person wants. Okay? Uh, but I think it also moves to other churches for us as a church, as a church body. We're engaging in gospel partnerships with churches in South Florida. You, you know some of them. David preached at one, Grace Church, a couple of months ago or a month or so ago, uh, Providence Road. There's other churches that, that we're, we're in these gospel partnerships together, right? And then I think, church, that it's very important that we as a church consider a gospel partnership where we might land as a church. This is where those of you with some history at Palm Vista I know what I'm talking about back in the day. Um, But but God's beginning to speak to us for the sake of advancing the gospel. What might God be speaking to us about a gospel partnership as a church and a network of churches? Uh, In one sense, uh, the Lord kind of started that informally over a year and a half ago uh, when our own Corey Smidgen went from being um, a, a staff elder at Palm Vista to a non-staff elder because he took on a full-time position as the director of international ministries for Great Commission Collective. And uh, it's been a great experience for him and for us, we've benefited from it. And then the president of the Great Commission Collective, who is a, a close personal friend of many of us, we've known Dave Harvey for some of us over 20, almost 25 years, is, it, it came and preached to us in January the 19th, some of us had some conversations uh, with him. Uh, And then some of our folks are going to be going to the Great Commission Collective's LEAD Conference, which is just a conference for pastors, elders, and really leaders in the church, all kinds of leaders in the church, next week in San Antonio, Texas. So please be praying for them. Uh, David will be leading that group that's going, and there are several that are going with him. And then church, next Sunday, John Samvura, a, a Rwandan pastor, is going to be preaching at this pulpit right here. John and his church... They're the ones that cared for our dear Corey for three weeks when Corey got COVID in Rwanda and was very sick. And they they ministered to Corey. They fed him every every day. Um, And he's going to come preach for us. What a man of God. Listen, Rwanda, I told Corey, you know what I knew about Rwanda is the horrible genocide that occurred there. Hotel Rwanda, I think, is a movie uh, that, that I watched that was just horrific. But guess what? There's more to Rwanda than just genocide. There's the gospel of Jesus Christ and there's men like John Samvora who is preaching the gospel and living the gospel to that country and to countries around there and raising up church planters. I want to hear from that guy. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. One of the things we want to talk to you about tonight in a little more detail is the whole GCCP. So tune in tonight. And as the worship team comes on up, and, and Ben, I'm thinking, let your kingdom come, that, I think, all right, so here's the appeal, the appeal appeal. <laughs> we must understand, engage, and grow in healthy gospel partnerships. Some of us pulled back from that, me, <laughs> and say, so, you know, let's just float around in this non-partnership world, you know. <laughs> just like, let me heal a little bit here. And I think God is gracious, and he's not mad at us for that church, but I think he's calling us to take a step forward. For some of you, that's personally. I mean, personally, I've not backed off of gospel partnerships. Praise God. Um, but I think as a church, he's calling us to, to, to understand, for you it may be personal, to engage. For you it may be personal. I think for us it's also corporate as a church. And then to grow, not just be static, but to grow in those gospel partnerships. Healthy gospel partnerships. Rooted in the gospel. Not in your opinion or my opinion about things. But the gospel. And, and rooted in relationships. Relationships. That's the call. That's where we're going. Let me pray for that, and then Ben's gonna lead us in this song, Let Your Kingdom Come. Lord, I pray for healthy gospel partnerships across this region of South Florida. It's a notorious place where it's difficult to build partnerships. Because we can be given to images, everything, who's got the latest what, and how do they look? We, there, can, there can tend to be a little bit of a competitive edge. It's not good. So forgive us as pastors when we pull back from partnerships because if it doesn't benefit my church, I don't know if I want to do it. That's immaturity. That's Corinth. Lord, forgive us for that. Maybe be mature locally in the churches that we partner with for the gospel. Lord, I pray personally that there be some in the church right now that have just sort of pulled back from relationships. You know, I got, kind of got hurt, kind of got burned. <laughs> I don't know if I want to pursue these things. They're just not worth it. Lord, gently draw them to you. And help them have the understanding that gospel partnerships are vital for gospel advance in our lives personally as we grow in Christ, in our community, as we share that gospel and live that gospel. And give us wisdom as a church to know where you're leading us in a healthy gospel partnership with a network. Lord, we thank you for this now. May your kingdom come. This is the prayer you taught us to pray. Let your kingdom come and your will be done, Lord. Pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing that prayer, shall we? Ben.